Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, like I said, we've been on this series called The Passion of Christ, and uh, we've been looking at every day of the final days of Jesus' life, and some of you, you've been here throughout the series, and you know what we've talked about from Sunday all the way to Thursday that we talked about this last Sunday. If you're new and joining us, you can go back to YouTube and catch up all the messages. Obviously, we're going to pick it up on Friday, and I just want to pick it up at the cross. What happened at the cross? I'll try to sum up a little bit about what happened that Friday night in just a moment. But look at what happened on the cross. This is Jesus already on the cross as he's bleeding out, as he's breathing his last. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 27. Go down to verse 45. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screens for you. If you're sitting next to somebody that has a Bible, see if they'll be nice and courteous and read the Bible together with you. And if you're both single, God can make another miracle happen tonight. Okay, Matthew chapter 27, go down to verse 45. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. The word of the Lord says this. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. This is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51, and behold, The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion And those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God. Out of those few verses tonight, I want to share for maybe about 25, 26 minutes around this Good Friday, around these verses, what happened on that Friday, what it means to us. And if you're taking notes, if you've been following along with the series, whether it's on a phone or a notebook, today I want to talk to you for a few moments from this topic or this title, The Problem Solver. The Problem Solver. Why don't we say that together? Come on. The Problem Solver. And uh, we'll pray, we'll talk about this, and then we're going to worship Jesus one more time. And then we're going to receive communion on this beautiful Friday night. And I think it's fitting, it's beautiful. We'll take communion together, worship one more time, and then head home and get ready for Easter. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for this weekend as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. God, what a night. 
to remember. What a night to gather as family to remember that in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our sin, you have been so good and kind to each and every single one of us. Lord, we thank you. We open up our hearts tonight. Father, I pray that tonight you may move in this building before even Sunday comes tonight. I believe you have an answer for people here today. I believe that you want to bring healing into this room and lift up our heads. Your word says that you are a lifter of heads. So tonight, if anyone is discouraged, down and out, you can lift up their heads so that their eyes may be placed on you, the helper, the problem solver, the answer and the solution. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all of Calvary Church says. Oh, come on. All of Calvary Church says. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. On April 13th, 1970, the Apollo 13 mission was on its way to the moon, what would be our third landing on the moon. And the astronauts were gathered and they were preparing. They had taken off a day before and on their way to the moon, about a day away, some explosion happened on the spaceship. And as they looked out of the window, they saw a leak that was coming out into space. And what had happened was that two oxygen tanks had exploded and quickly the oxygen levels in their spaceship were going down. And it was on that day where the famous words were recorded, they called back to mission control and they said, Houston, we have had a problem. And it was a major problem because they still had hours to go to go around the moon and to try to make it back to earth. It was a race against time. A famous movie in our culture in recent years, they, they kind of rephrased the term and they put it this way, Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And I think many of us now, we use it in our culture, in our society, in our day when we are in a crisis. When we are in trouble, when we are in the middle of a problem, we will say, Houston, we have a problem. And I think all of us have had problems or crisis before. There's been times in my own life where I look around and I'm like, Houston, we have a problem. For sure, I've had many problems in my life. I remember my younger years and even now in my adult life, young adult life, but adult life. And <laughs> where I, I've, I've struggled and I feel like Paul sometimes where the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do. I don't. There's a struggle. There is a problem. I've got a problem. I've had problems in my life. And obviously choosing the wrong things has led me to financial problems or relational problems, emotional problems, even spiritual problems where I've had to figure out my relationship with God, what is truth, what is not truth. Why do I have this dilemma on the inside? I have a problem. Our world is full of problems right now. I mean, we just look around and we have a problem. It is full of rage. It is full of envy. It is full of greed. It is full of strife, sin, suffering, murder. I mean, our world right now is facing a problem. And I'm sure that you've had your own share of problems. For sure, you've had your problems relationally or in your marriage with friendships or with this person that you love. Or maybe you've had financial problems, emotional problems, the stresses of life, the anxiety and the pressures causes problems. But I'm also sure that you've had a problem at the core level of your being. Yeah. 
If I can speak for a moment tonight, we've all had a problem when it comes to our moral conscience because each and every single one of us, we violate it daily. God has put a moral consciousness inside of the human soul. And when we violate it, there is guilt and shame. And I'm sure we've all had those days where we do what we're not supposed to, where we're saying what we're not supposed to. When someone cuts us off on the, under the ever-construction palmetto and we wave to somebody with one finger, there's a violation of the human soul. There's a dilemma on the inside. Why do I do what I don't want to do? And what I do want to do, I don't do. Houston, we have a problem. I, I have thoughts that I'm ashamed of. I do things that I shouldn't do. Our world is like that. You and I, we pass through days like this. There's greed, there's envy, there's murder, there's lust. And now it spreads worldwide and we see the tension, the hurt, the pain, the suffering, the hunger, the abuse that's happening. We have a problem on our hands. And I really believe that this happens when we're faced with problems. I put it this way. We forget the promises when we're facing problems. When each and every single, one of, every single one of us, when we're up against this dilemma of the soul, when we're facing the problems of life, we are quick to forget that there's also a promise for every single soul and heart. The problem is not just marital or financial, economical. The problem is that it's us. It's the human soul that has issues. In other words, the problem is not just around us in our world today. The problem is inside of us. Author Max Lucado put it this way, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Why is there so many issues in the world? Because you and I are here. The prophet Jeremiah writing in 17, chapter 17, verse 9, he said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand our wicked and deceitful hearts? And we may look good on the outside, and some of us try to cover up the deceitful, wicked heart with some good clothing and a nice hairstyle. But come on, how many of you know if people only heard the thoughts of our heart, it's wicked and deceitful. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, for out of the heart comes all evil thoughts, murder or adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. What makes you dirty? What makes you wicked? What makes you evil? It's not what you do on the outside. You can look clean on the outside, but on the inside, there is a problem. And that's our wicked and deceitful heart that inclines. It has propensities towards sin. We are inclined to sin. We walk toward darkness. The Bible says men walk toward darkness. The Bible says there is no one that does good. There's not one single person in here that is perfect. We've all sinned. We've all walked away from God. We've all done wrong. And sin has brought havoc, chaos, and death to our world. We have a problem. But while we gather on this Friday night and while we take a few moments to worship and while we take a few moments to open up the word, it's because this good Friday means so much to every single one of us if we truly understand it. Why is it a good Friday? Like Pastor Phil just shared, it was a bloody Friday. It was a horrific Friday. It was a dark Friday, horrendous, atrocious what happened at the cross. You and I could not even see it. We'll turn away at the scene of the cross. And yet we call this Good Friday? Good Friday? 
Why is it a good Friday? It's a good Friday because when you and I got together, we sit around and we say, we have a problem. Mission control answered back. And they said, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. We have an answer. His name is Jesus. Oh, come on, that's what we're celebrating tonight. That all you, although you and I, we have a problem of the heart, God sent an answer in his son Jesus. He sent him to Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He preached in Galilee. He preached in Capernaum. And today, all of us believe he's the answer. He's the solution. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's the answer to the problem and the dilemma of the soul. Oh, come on. The problem is we try to create solutions for our problems, and we only get in more problems. Well, maybe if I drink, I'll get rid of this problem. Now you got a drinking problem. Well, maybe if I cheat on my spouse, I'll get rid of this lust for a second. The problem is now you become a cheater. And so our creative solutions only get us into more problems. But the best solution was the Lamb of God, was the Son of God, was the second one in the Trinity, the second one in the Godhead. His name was Jesus. He came down to our earth to be the solution, the answer, the peace for our problems. And so why is it a good Friday? Because we have an answer tonight. He's the problem solver. His name is Jesus. You have a dilemma in your soul tonight? Are you struggling? Are you full of shame and guilt? Are you saying, my God, I have a problem? My life is upside down. I have no life. I have no peace. I'm full of anxiety. I want to tell you, there's a problem solver tonight. And he's better than any solution you can think of. His name is Jesus. Tonight, if you're taking notes, I actually put it this way. The cross of the Savior solves the crisis of sin. It's the cross. It's what we're talking about tonight. There is no other better solution than the cross of Jesus. He's the only solution to our lust. He's the only solution to our greed. He's the only solution to the problems of the heart. It is the, it is the solution of Jesus, the cross of the Savior. It is the only one, the solution of the crisis of sin. And so tonight when we look at the cross, we see he's the answer to the aching soul. We've looked at the Passion Week of Jesus, the last few days of the life of Jesus, and he's had a problematic week. <laughs> you want to talk about problems? Jesus had problems every single day leading up to his death. And a few weeks ago, if you joined us or if you watch it online, we talked about that Sunday where Jesus came in on a donkey and he fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah that the king would come in on a donkey and he, he basically was telling humanity, I'm the answer you're looking for but I'm not the king that you thought I was going to be. I'm a better one. That Sunday was beautiful. He goes up to Bethany on Monday. He goes back down to Jerusalem, and it's the day that he said, you're full of religion, but it's dead religion. And what good is dead religion in our life? It leaves us fruitless. And he says, I come to bring true religion, peace, hope, and it'll make you fruitful. And so that was Monday. And then we see that Jesus on Tuesday, he goes back into the temple, and that was a day of questioning Q&As, and they ask him a bunch of questions, and he answers back with questions because ultimately what he's saying is on the answer that you've been looking for. Wednesday, we heard that he gathered with his friends, and one of them decided to betray him, and that was the day that Judas decided to go sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And we learned that we also have sold out Jesus for much less than that. Thursday, he gathered with his friends, and he talked to them all day, and at night, he had the last supper with them, and they were discussing on who was going to be the greatest. They were thinking status, position, 
And Jesus says, if you want to be great, you must go down to the dirt and serve and love one another. And he washed their feet. He grabbed the towel and he washed the dirt off their feet. This is Jesus, the one that we're talking about. The day before his death, he's washing feet. And he sits back down and he, he receives communion with them. He institutes communion, which we're going to receive tonight. He's like, this is my flesh, which is going to be broken. This is my blood, which is going to be poured out for you. Yet they didn't understand. That night he goes into a garden. Many believe it's already Friday, early morning hours. And in that garden, he tells his friends to pray for him. And they don't pray. They fall asleep. And Jesus is praying. He's struggling. He's saying, if you can, pass this cup for me, Father. But not my will be done, but your will be done. And he was obedient even until death. Because he knew his mission was to save humanity. And there at that garden, Judas comes with all the religious and political leaders, and they arrest Jesus, and the unfair, illegal trials begin those early hours of the morning. There's been problems all week, and now there's the problems of Friday. And for a moment, I want to talk to you, and that you can picture and put yourself at the scene, the problems of the different reactions of humanity. Number one, we see the reaction of the political leaders. We see the reaction of the people, and then we see the reaction of his disciples. The reaction of the political leaders, they wanted to crucify him, to kill him, because he was coming for their power and control. And that's all they wanted. They wanted control because if you're political, you think that ultimately you having power means that you are God. God, your God is power. And if somebody comes to take your power away, you have no God. So let me crucify the next thing that's threatening to be God. And so that's one reaction from political religious leaders. The other reaction is from the people who on Sunday were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yet on this Friday, they were saying, crucify him. And instead of releasing Jesus, they asked to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. Barabbas, a true criminal that deserved death, was freed. And they asked for Jesus to be crucified. Because when God doesn't show up in your life the way you want him to show up, you forget him and abandon him. And many times we crucify him. And so because he wasn't going to oppose Rome, they said, crucify him and give us Barabbas. Political leaders had a problem. The people had a problem. And the disciples now had a major problem. Houston, we have a a problem because we think we're going to the palace. But our leader, our teacher, our rabbi just got arrested. And they're talking about crucifixion. And all of them scattered. They all left. Judas betrayed him on Wednesday. This Friday night, Peter goes ahead and denies him not just once, but three times. And I believe this just gives us a picture of all of us when life gets tough and when we're faced with problems, we forget the promise and we betray our Jesus. Not only do we see the problems with people and human beings, we also see the problems of the cross on this Friday night. Let's talk about the cross for a moment and we'll worship in just a few minutes. But the cross was something vicious, atrocious. The Roman Empire had perfected this matter of capital punishment. This wasn't just an electric chair. This wasn't just lethal injection. They had perfected the way that people died. Slowly and gruesome, it took your life. The Romans were perfectionists at killing people. The cross was a problem because it was only reserved for the lowest of lowest criminals. The worst of thieves the worst of robbers, the worst of insurrectionists, and nobody wanted to deal with the cross because it was atrocious. It was gruesome. In fact, Cicero, one of Roman's own political leaders back in the day, 
said it is the most cruel thing and we should do away with it. Not even one of its own leaders wanted to deal with the cross. The cross was a symbol of embarrassment, of cruelty. It was a symbol of blood. It was a symbol of death. It was a horrific symbol. Yet today, it is a symbol of hope. It is a symbol of life. It is a symbol of peace. It is a symbol of the grace and the mercy of God. Oh, and the world doesn't understand it. There's a problem with the cross. For the intellectual, for the rational, the cross is a problem because it's way too simple a solution for God to do this. The philosophical mind, the creative geniuses of our time have never understood why the cross matters so much, something so gruesome, something so low. How could the cross represent life? But it's because God, he is better than any creative genius on our time, on our history. He's the God who said, I have the perfect plan for all of humanity and it's on a cross. It's on two wooden beams and there on that cross I'll meet mankind, I'll meet sin and I'll bring the solution to the problem. Oh he's the problem solver. And so the people of our time, the people of our history, they wrestle with the cross. Paul said it is foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't understand the cross. All throughout history, people haven't understood the cross. Why the cross? Why two wooden sticks? But Paul said, oh, if I glory in anything, I glory in the cross. Oh, if I boast about anything, I won't boast about my degrees. I won't boast about my status. I won't boast about all that I've accomplished in life. None of that matters. What matters is that Jesus came. He died for me. He took my place. He paid the price for sin so that I can have life and life to the fullest. Pastor Tony Evans, he says this, the cross is more than something that tops church steeples. It's more than an ornament on a living room wall. It's more than a golden icon decorating your neck. The cross is the most foundational, irreducible essence of our faith. Sinners don't understand and saints don't fully appreciate it. Wow. We don't understand it and we don't appreciate the cross. And I'm praying that over the next few minutes that we have left, we grow an appreciation of the cross of Jesus Christ. Tonight... What a beautiful cross. That old rugged cross is where God met humanity. Pastor Billy Graham said, the cross shows us where the seriousness of our sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. Yeah. Our sin is serious. It demanded death, blood, but his love is so amazing that he laid it all down for you and for me. And so we see the problems of the cross, and now we see the problems that happened at the cross. Jesus was taken. Many of you know, we've seen movies, we've heard stories, we've read the passages. They began to beat Jesus. They began to spit on Jesus. They began to mock him, illegally try him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 67 says, they spit in his face and struck him with their fist. Others slapped him. Medical reports have suggested the things that Jesus suffered on that Good Friday. For sure probably had a contusion as they hit him and struck him across the head. As they put a crown of thorns on him. He had piercings as they went through his hands and they went through his feet. And they began to crucify him there on that cross. He had lacerations from the top of his head to the bottom of, of his feet as they whipped him. Bearing his back. They would throw a robe on him to mock him 
and then yank it right back out to rip apart his skin. And Jesus on that cross, he was covered in blood. He was unrecognizable. And it was the perfect lamb of God that was shedding his blood, his perfect blood for all of humanity. Because our problem, our dilemma, our sin demanded blood. We have a problem and the solution was being crushed in front of us. 800 years before this happened, the prophet Isaiah saw it and he said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us death, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was crushed. He was punished for our sins. Jesus on that cross, he was solving the ultimate problem because sin had caused major problems. Sin had separated us. Sin had brought a curse upon us. And sin had brought death to us. I'll finish with these last three promises that we find on the cross. If Andrew could join me on the keys, we're about to finish. We'll worship one more time and receive communion. But what happened at that cross? There was separation. There was a curse. And there was death for humanity. What happened at the cross? Let's talk about the last three things. Let's talk about the promises that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Number one, what happened at the cross is that he restored our relationship. The promise was that our relationship was basically restored back to the Father. I'll read you the verse one more time that we just read. Matthew chapter 27. We just read this a moment ago. Verses 50 and 51. It says, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Matthew writes that when Jesus yelled his last and breathed his last inside the temple of Jerusalem, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. What does this mean? What happened? The first thing that we see that happened is that a veil was torn in two. Well, many scholars would tell us that they believe that this veil inside the temple was about four inches thick and wide. It was a huge curtain. And what this curtain was used for was to separate us from where we believe God's presence was residing. In other words, after Adam and Eve sinned, human, humanity, you and I, humans, we couldn't be with God because we were sinful. And God is so holy. Yes, he loves us, but he's holy that he has to judge sin. Sin cannot be in his presence. And so when he came to be with humanity, they put a veil in front of God. There was a massive curtain in front of God. And only the priest could go beyond the veil once a year. They had to be sinless. They had to sacrifice the lamb so their sins would be forgiven. And then they entered the veil. And they would go into God's presence and pray for you and I. They would go in with bells because if they were still sitting in their life, they would die in his presence. Because God, he's a great God. And I think our culture, our society today... We treat God with contempt and we treat him lightly, but God, he, he's a real powerful living God. And he's perfect in every way. He's perfect in love, but he's perfect in judgment. And so the veil was kind of like the barrier between us and God. And it showed the separation between us and God. God, I, I love you and I wish I could know you better, but I know I'm a sinner and my sin would kill me in your presence. But the Lamb of God there on the cross, as he cried out, it is finished the first thing that happened is that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom 
I think it's significant that it's from top to bottom because if you look at the beams on the cross, there's one beam that's horizontal. And I believe it's God coming down to humanity saying, I love you. I'm coming down to reach you. I'm coming down to have a relationship with you. Sin, it may have separated us, but I'm a loving father. I'm a good creator. And today I'm reaching out and I'm saying, come, come to the father. Come home tonight. As the veil was torn, Jesus was torn. He was the veil. He was the veil that was being torn so that you and I, today, through Jesus, we have access to the Father. He was ripped in two so that you and I can go and have a relationship with God. Oh, today, when we look at the cross, my friend, my brother, my sister, when you look at the cross, I want you to look at an invitation that says, come, the Father's reaching out. Come, the Father said, you have a problem, I have the solution. You have a dilemma, I have an answer. Are you stuck? I'm the solution. I'm the answer. I'm the hope. Come to the Father. He's the only answer to all of humanity. Tonight, if you're looking for an answer, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for peace, the bottle can't do it, the sex can't do it, the money can't do it, only Jesus could do it. And he was ripped in half so that you and I now can come to the Father. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. I love this. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life by the Spirit. He wants to bring you safely back home to God. We're about to worship in a moment and leave, but in a moment I want to give you an invitation. I want everybody to stay toward the end. And I believe many of you today, you're coming home to God. You've been stuck in problems. You've been stuck in dilemmas. You're saying, I have problems all over. Today, come to the problem solver. He restored our relationship. Not only did he restore our relationship, number two, he removed our curse. He removed our curse. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 that the veil was torn in two. And if we read the following verse, verse 51, it says, And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Jesus, he cries out on that cross. Get in the scene. See Jesus crying out on the cross, breathing his last. He dies. And as he dies, an alarm goes off. The veil is torn in two. I'm kidding. (laughs) The veil is torn in two. And there's an earthquake and the rocks begin to split up. What is happening? I'm trying to explain this in just a moment, but I believe that sin in the garden with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, a curse came into creation. A curse came into the dirt, the dirt that we're made out of and the dirt that forms our world. Since that day, all of humanity has been cursed and creation has been cursed. Sin has come to cause decay and corruption, disaster, death. And so though though we're in this body, our body will soon decay. There's disease, there's pain, there's shame. We'll grow old and die. That was not initially the plan of God. And although you may stand in the nicest beaches of the world and you look out, I want to tell you, you're looking at a world that is beautiful yet broken with sin. Go, go see the nicest landscapes. Go to the shores of Hawaii. Go to the mountains of Wyoming. It is still full of the curse of sin. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans that creation is groaning. All of creation, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, the tornado, it is all of creation saying, God, come remove the curse. And at the cross, Jesus started to remove the curse. When he cries out, it is finished. 
Basically what he's saying is my kingdom is here. My kingdom is coming. And every single time that you or I or somebody comes to Jesus, the curse is being reversed. The curse is being removed. And the curse is slowly disappearing as the kingdom of God is invading. Oh, sin, it brings a curse on our life. But Jesus, he brings hope. Jesus, he brings healing. Jesus, he brings light. And so men and women, we walk around in darkness, in the darkness of this curse. But when we call on Jesus, the lights turn on. The curse is removed because Jesus paid the price. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. At the cross, the promise that was spoken to Abraham now is available to you and I. Regardless of our background, regardless of our race, regardless of our financial status, regardless of how much we've done at the cross, oh, the curse of sin is removed. He became the curse so that you and I can receive life. Number one, he restored our relationship. Number two, he removed the curse. And third and finally, he replaced our death. When we look at the cross, what do we see? The promise that death has been replaced. Matthew tells us one more time what we just read, that when Jesus breathed his last, the veil was torn in two, the rocks were split open, the curse was being removed. And then verse 52 says, the tombs were also opened. And so many body, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, they were raised. People started resurrecting the day that Jesus died. Oof. Can you imagine being around the cross, seeing Jesus scream out, breathe his last, and die? He's gushing out blood and water on one side, and then you turn around, there's an earthquake, and somebody's coming up out of the grave next to you? That's why they looked at him and they said, surely this must be the son of God we're getting reports that a veil inside the temple has been torn the earth has shaken and now people are coming back to life what is happening is because sin comes to kill sin is a curse and for sure it will curse your life and it will curse you emotionally mentally, physically and what it does is that it slowly starts to kill humanity Sin will kill you, and if you continue to live in sin, it will kill you and destroy you. You may not see it physically for a long time, but ultimately it brings destruction and death. But at the cross, Jesus is saying, oh, I receive death so that you can receive life. The price of sin is heavy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. The message paraphrases it this way. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. You and I, we've been working at sin our whole life, and all we have is problems. But here comes the problem solver. And what happened at the cross was a beautiful exchange. He says, I'll lay down my life. I'm the perfect one, the only one, the solution of sin, so that at the cross you can join me and receive life. It's at the cross that you and I, all of our sins, all of our guilt has been removed. The stains of sin, the curse of sin, the separation of sin, the death of sin has been removed. And it's there at the cross where we receive the life, the peace, the forgiveness, the cleansing of our sins at the cross of Jesus. See, at the garden, the snake lied and said, 
that there was no death and there was. Today, that same snake, that same serpent, Satan the liar, keeps lying. And he's saying there is no life, but there is. And his name is Jesus. Oh, for sure, sin brought death, but Jesus brought life. I'll read this one last verse. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Paul writes to the church in Colossians, and he says, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It is on the cross where Jesus took away the power of Satan to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your spirit, to destroy your emotions. It is at the cross where the powers of the enemy were defeated. It is at the cross where Jesus took down death. Death is not the final answer. We now have life in Jesus. Death has been defeated and life now lives forevermore. All in that cross, we receive life. Come on, let's stand up to our feet. I close every head bowed in a moment of prayer, in a moment of privacy. Tonight, perhaps you're saying, I'm not alive. I got good news for you. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Every single one of us we were dead without Jesus. We had no life. We were separated from the blessings of God, from the life of God, from the forgiveness of God. Sin had separated us. Sin had cursed our life. It curses our flesh, our bodies. It curses our world. That's why there's corruption, disease, evil, and wickedness. But the curse has been reversed at the cross. And every single one of us, we were living in death spiritual death, emotional death, mental death. Ultimately, it was leading to a physical death. And maybe you're here tonight and somebody invited you tonight. This is your first time with us or maybe you've been coming for a long time and you're saying, Alex, I don't know Jesus. Alex, I don't have the life of Jesus. I got good news for you. I believe that tonight is your night. I believe that on this good Friday, April 7th, 2023, you, be, you can begin life again when you come to the cross of Jesus. With every eye closed, every head bowed, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. There's not one perfect person in this place. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, and said wrong. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. Yes, God is love. Yes, God loves humanity. Yes, God loves you. But you and I offend him all the time by the way we act how we think, what we do. We offend God. and The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. Our world is slowly dying. We are slowly dying. Circumstances slowly die. But the Bible also says that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. Tonight, if you feel like you're dying, you're stuck in your problems, you're stuck in your dilemmas, your marriages have failed, your relationships have crumbled, maybe emotionally, mentally, it feels like you're dying. 
Tonight you can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus carried the, the weight of the world, the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus carried my sins, your sins, every wrong thing we've done, thought, said. The Bible says that there on Calvary, Jesus carried the sins of the world. He was crucified, nailed to a tree. And after several hours, he cried, it is finished, and breathed his last. And there he, he, brought, he brought us together with the Father. He removed the curse, and he took death down so that we could have life. The Bible says he went down to a grave for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. It's what we're celebrating. Sunday is coming. On a night like tonight, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was laid in the tomb, but three days later, he would resurrect and show that sin and death have no power over all of those who believe in Jesus. And the same way that people came up out of the grave 2,000 years ago is the same day that one day you and I who believe in Jesus, we're going to come up out of our grave. And I believe that with all my heart. You think death is the final answer? You think death is the finality of your life? I got good news. Jesus comes to give you life and life to the fullest. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, it's all this church is praying, pastors, dream team. Tonight, if you're here and you're saying, Alex, I need that life. If you're in here tonight and you say, Alex, I need forgiveness of my sins. I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. Whether you're on the first floor or the balcony. With eyes closed and head bowed, you've been dealing with guilt and shame, the dilemma, the problem of the human heart. You've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong, and you're saying, Alex, I, I want forgiveness for my sins. The weight of sin is crushing you. The separation from the full life for God is killing you. Tonight, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And when I count to three, if you say, Alex, I need Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You will be forgiven. You will be saved. Tonight, if you're saying, Alex, I need to be saved. I want to turn. I want to repent of my sin. Repent just means turn. Turn from sin and run to the Father. At the cross, God came down to man, and he reached out his, his love side to side for all of humanity. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Is sin crushing you and killing you? Come, come. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to give you a mic. We're not going to put a light on you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. But if you're here tonight, you say, I need to make a decision. I want to give him my life. I'm tired of living in sin. Tonight, I want a brand new life. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. I'll see who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this auditorium. Raise it up, raise it up. Hold it up, hold it up. I see you, 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 I see you in the balcony. Raise it up, I see you, 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 I see you up there. Amazing. God bless you, God bless you. I see you back there. Raise up your hand as high as you can. Raise it up. Come on, but every eye closed. Keep your hand lifted. Keep your hand lifted. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. Come on, there's, there's a few more people to be here, and you're saying, Alex, I need life. You're tired of walking in your problems. You're tired of walking in death. You raise your hand. Raise it up. Come on, raise it up. You're saying, tonight I give him my life. Tonight I give him my heart. Hands going up. Amen. 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 Raise it up. Raise it up. He sees you taking this step. You can put your hands back down. 
I want you to repeat this prayer with me all over this place. In fact, the whole church, why don't we say this prayer out loud? The Bible says, if we put our faith and trust in him, we'll receive life. Church, in one voice together, why don't we all repeat this out loud? If you raise your hand, say this with all you got. Say, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity. Tonight I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From tonight on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, Calvary. Can we congratulate every person? Come on. Hey, we're about to leave in just a moment. We're going to take communion, then we'll leave. On the way out, if you raise your hand, hands went up all over the balcony down here in the back as well. We have a free gift for you outside. Literally, there's a coffee cup. There's a coffee voucher for our Calvary Cafe. There's a letter from me and Diana, but more than anything, there's a free Bible. We want to tell you we love you. We're here for you. We're going to walk this journey out together. Pick one up at the Connect Tag one more time. Give them a big, big hand. Come on.